missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, everyone we are back the footy fans podcast andrew santo joe and our first ever guest appearance first ever phil bonadonna coming on joining the pod he's going to talk epl week two uh reaction and week two matchups we're going to break them down a little bit big news off the gate with man united dropping four nil to brentford terrible result by them so we'll talk about that game we'll talk about the uh, thomas tuchel and the antonio conte uh you know skirmish that happened towards skirmish. the end of that match and i think arsenal also surprised team um starting off as strong as they are uh we'll, we'll touch on them a little bit as the podcast progresses but phil welcome to the podcast i think long time listener i hope long time listener first <laughs> time caller never heard long, long time listener first time caller as they say long time friend of the of the group here as well uh a lot of knowledge coming from this guy more serious yeah, knowledge i think but he still has you know, a touch on the English game. Yeah, so so he'll be here to touch on that and uh, give his two cents when it's when it's uh, worthy. But yeah, boys, man, you, um, you know, coming off that first game loss against Brighton, we thought maybe Brentford could be a good bounce back game. If you're man, you like, and you want to have um like, a, like an easier start to the season, having two matches against like Brighton and Brentford are probably what you want to have coming on the calendar. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. To Manu's standards again, they just dropped the ball, and you know it wasn't a one nil loss, wasn't a two nil loss like the Brighton game was. Four nil away, but four nil to Brentford. What the fuck is going on with Manu? There's no no plan. I mean, Phil was talking about it too. It's like, oh, Arsenal had the same kind of start last year, and you know we talked and we mentioned how Arsenal they have a plan under Arteta and the kind of profile players they want to go for and what they want to accomplish with the club. With Man U, and you kind of see it with who they've been going after <laughs> in the last even 48 hours. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> the, some of the pundits make a joke like, oh, let's have a dartboard, just throw stuff at the dartboard. Like, people like Casemiro and Joao Felix and these guys, like, why would you want to go to Man U if you're them? So. Yeah, the, the De Jong saga, too. Like, yeah. It's just a very. It's a very strange situation. I think it just comes down to we're not sure what goes on behind the scenes. You don't know what their recruiting's like, but they just might not, you know, be at the level they need to be at. They want to like turn the club around, but you know, it's hard to say exactly what the issue is. But it's also nothing new because this we saw these signs last season too. Yeah, and Weird. it's it's funny because it, we don't want to turn this into like last season when we were just like bashing Arsenal because Arsenal was like the most. Um, talkworthy team last season with how bad things were going yeah. and and all that. Um, it feels like Man, well, you know, Manu is having the start that Arsenal did last year. Um, but 
it's there's a I think much more you know core problems at Man U with ownership and what they're doing behind the scenes. I think with Arsenal is just purely poor performances. Um, because Arteta as a as a manager, I think all know that he's fully capable of being able to bring Arsenal back to hopefully close to what they were when they were winning the league. But with Man U, I just really don't see it happening unless there's like a really massive overhaul. And you know, we were talking about it before where Man U just has to accept the fact that they're not a good team right now. Hundred percent. Right. And they're poop. Yeah. And Phil mentioned it before, like it's tough for a, for the fan base of Man U with their history to just accept the fact like yeah we're we're not good like you have to accept that and then move forward but they want quick results they want to buy massive players and they're not fitting into the system at all i agree as a milan (laughs) fan it was hard to go from win champions league win the Serie A, and then go through five to seven years of garbage and then they finally realized okay we need to like structurally change this after they went basically into bankruptcy. United will never go into bankruptcy, but it starts from the top. And until that happens, they get a proper scouting program. They're bringing in profiles that are conducive to that scouting program and youth. And it's not just, we'll get a 29-year-old. This guy's good. Oh, well, I don't know about this one. No, you stick to your profiles. And it'll take two years. Hmm. But like you said, United fans don't want to wait two years. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're an impatient fan base because they're so used to that winning culture that they had. I think last episode we touched on like with, Al- with Sir Alex Ferguson and like that culture that he built with United for so long. This isn't that United. Like, yeah, not even close. Like in the, like I, think, I, think, I think this might be like my favorite quote I've ever said. I think what the fans that United want is what Sir Alex Ferguson brought to the team like they look in the past but they have to look towards the future they can't focus on the past and say oh this is how we have to play they have to look on a new way to play like in the future to like for years to come and whatever culture is being built I say culture with quotations at United it's just not fitting with the players not fitting with the fan base I think I saw a tweet that the Glazer like family might be out finally like they've been having so much pressure from the fans for years now um, to try and like restructure the the management group with the ownership, and I think they're starting to now look at it and say, okay, we might actually have to sell yeah. some of our shares, or you know, take some steps back in the boardroom or whatever the case is, which will probably be a good idea, because like the way that they've handled this team, like I, like Phil said from the top down, it's just been such a shit show for the last five seasons with the whole, yeah. you know, like uh, what's his name, Van Gaal going there and yeah. like Mourinho and and. And, yeah. Uh, after after you go through six managers, you have to be like, "Hey, I don't think the manager because like they're not some of the best man. Like they are really good, obviously. Like, but they're not like granted they're not Pep Klopp level, but they should be getting results against you know some of these clubs mm-hmm. that they haven't been able to get results against. Yeah, I think Ten Hag was a good choice. Yeah, yeah, but he just needs time. Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? And they're using the same players as last year. Yeah, it, basically, yeah. Like, they're not that bad of a squad talent-wise, I don't think. Right. It's just... Something it doesn't... Wrong. Yeah, something is just not meshing. They're... Like, you look at that roster top-down. There's a lot of players that every club in the world would love to have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why isn't it working, though? Like, you look at their starting 11 that like, in the game against Brentford. Your top four is Ronaldo, Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, and Sancho. 
which are class quality players. Christian Eriksen there pulling the strings alongside Fred, who we said before is kind of hit or miss, I think. But I think their biggest weakness is that back line. Yeah, I, like I think like Martinez coming in there this year might be a good sign for them. Phil, where did he come from? Does he come from Syria? Ajax. Okay, yeah. So he's obviously like a ten hag boy coming along with uh, with the manager. But then having Harry Maguire there as like your other, um, like you know, twin tower back there, like alongside Martinez, like I think that's just such a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. And then Luke Shaw, yeah, he was he was good a couple years ago at Man U. He had his obviously his bad injury. But when he came back, he wasn't the Luke Shaw that was at Southampton when he got recognition. Yeah. And then De Gea, too. A couple of big slip-ups from him. I've been saying for years, De Gea is like kind of hit or miss. I don't know. like what Is he starting to feel the, like like the, the pressure, pressure around but, him? You know, but the, the thing is, they don't get anyone else to come in to like put pressure on him either. I don't know. If, if like he Tom, doesn't Tom make those mistakes, backup, if he doesn't make those mistakes, I don't know. Do they lose? I still think they do because they don't do anything like noteworthy you know what i mean they have I, I, they're like again like they're on paper they have such good players but they're so individualistic where they just don't play well as a team yeah you don't really know what's gonna happen when menu plays and we yeah. with with the other top teams you kind of know what to expect and even with arsenal coming up you know kind of their system menu goes on it's like <laughs> what's gonna all right happen? let's it's kind of they're figuring it out as they you go. know the other team's gonna score that's basically yeah. They're gonna get it's the only guarantee. Yeah, and it's it's tough, right? Like you, if the players aren't confident in their in themselves and in the team, you're never gonna play well. And I think, you know, part of it has to go on the players. I mean, obviously, ownership has a big part to play in this whole issue. But um, if you can't rely on the players to give per- good performances, then you're you're not gonna win games, and the fans are gonna get pissed, and that's that's how they find themselves where they are right now. Well, it's just because I know, and I mentioned this to you the other day, like they've known they've had this issue for a while and they bring in Ten Hag, but the only business they've done in the summer was they got Ericsson for free. They brought in a center back to replace Varane, I guess, who's won Champions League and some World Cups. Even though he's old, I'm pretty sure... He's on the bench, though. He's still there. He's on the bench, but like, how? I'm sure someone can come in and get the best out of Iran. You know what I mean? Um, so him, and then I don't know, backup left back, I think. So I'm not sure, you know, what was going on in the recruiting department over the summer because you look at other teams like Arsenal, even Tottenham, and this is, I think, the big difference because you look at Tottenham now, and Conte. The big difference I think with Tottenham is Conte can look at his bench now and be like, okay, I got to change the system because this is not working so I can bring in these players. Like, that is just not happening at Man U, which I'm not sure why, like, can you bring this manager who you want to be your next rock star? How have you not spent the money to build a team for him to be successful? Just because, like we said before, like, you've had this rotating door of managers. The manager's not going to fix the issues with the players (laughs) at this point. And the one big difference about Ten Hag coming in when he did is that previously when Solskjaer came in from Reno, it was midway through the season. And Ragnar came in last year, midway through the season. Ten Hag's had a full off season now like to yeah. get his team sorted out. He had a full off season to get the players he needs for August, come like week one of the of the season. And yeah, he's brought some guys in. Like I said, Martinez came in from Ajax with him. Uh, Van de Beek obviously being Dutch as well. Yeah, Dutch? 
uh, as well. Like, he'll get some starts, I think, under him, which I think is a good idea because Van Beek was brought in there. A lot of high praise, and then he just didn't play. $60 million just on the bench, never on played, low down to Everton. Everton. Like halfway like, through the year, just okay. big mistake from them, I think. Um, but yeah, I think Ten Hag, like, he's, like, he is very different than what we've seen in the past from United managers. Um, like David Moyes, like, he was a manager at Everton for a long time, established culture at Everton, and like had them playing very well. Uh, Van Gaal got in there and like did his thing. Mourinho, obviously, Solskjaer like, kind of had... I mean, Solskjaer was like a legacy player, so he just kind of got the job, I think. And then Ragnar came in for damage control, where Ten Hag, we see, he's a developer. Like He'll take a side like Ajax with younger kids, develop them, get them ready to be transferred, basically, and sold and profit from it. If you can do the same thing at United, but keep those players at home, then yeah, I think they'll be pretty good. But he's yeah. going to need two, three years to do it. Yeah, It's not going to be an immediate impact. He's not going to come in there and be like, okay, wow, this 21-year-old is like the best player in the world now. Yeah. Wait till he's 23, 24. But that's, yeah. the, that's the thing with the United fans, right? They're just so fucking impatient. They just yeah. want results now, and they have to like grind it out a little bit. Yeah, Their well, big mistake, sorry, Joe, was yeah. not getting Conte. Oh, oh he yeah, had the no. chance. Oh, that was Massive so problem. He, big uh, mistake. Then, yeah, you probably would have had the same results. <laughs> yeah. Like, in the league, you probably would have still finished around 5th, 6th, 7th with Conte, but having a summer with him... Mm-hmm. Would have been interesting to see how this team changed, or maybe it's just uncurable. Yeah. <laughs> so you look at maybe. Tottenham now, though. Like, yeah, yeah. Now that his system's in, and he didn't even—I know the first game, none of the new signings started, mm-hmm. and I yeah. don't really agree. Like, you don't have to overhaul a team yeah. every transfer window, right? There's right. something to keeping the same team together, but their transfer strategy—I don't really understand it's not like they're pinpointing yeah. areas right and okay we're gonna improve this with maybe two players here or one player here just like you said yeah. before just throw darts on a board and see what name comes up like yeah. rabio's done yeah because he wants 10 mil and if you're rabio i don't really blame him mm-hmm. yeah. like yeah. going to that situation I, yeah i kind of want to get paid a little more it's premier league but now it's yeah. also a good toxic environment from the media too yeah do like yeah. as a player do you want to go there? Yeah. Like knowing the way everything is. Yeah. It's, it's honestly like the Leafs sometimes. That, that the Leafs. pressure cooker of mm-hmm. the media. Yeah. Some players will thrive and some will melt. Yeah. It's not easy. But as yeah. a player right now, knowing everything that's going on, do you even want to go there? No, yeah. it's like a rat's nest. Like, why yeah. would you want to get involved in that? I don't know why De Jong. <laughs> yeah, De Jong like, I'm out. Too, like, <laughs> Yeah, but I then if you win on the other side, sure. then you're you're like the biggest hero. Yeah, the yeah, Leafs will true. never do that, but United <laughs> still has a chance, you know, to yeah, win yeah. trophies. But I don't know. I mean, if you're Conte, you're probably so happy. You're like, good thing I didn't go there because, like you said, he gets he went to Tottenham. He got to build a system, and now like Tottenham's like very like really solid now. They're competitive, and yeah. they got them to actually buy players. Yeah. Remember with Pochettino, it was those few years of zero yeah, nothing. net just spend and nothing, and they were yeah. they were yeah. still doing well, but everyone was asking, get someone, get someone, get someone. Yeah. And now, finally, 
Conte cracked the code. I don't know what it was, but I think he went in and he told Tottenham, he's like, yeah, I can go, but I need you to do this. The guarantee. Because well, and it's true because he has a system and he's like, yeah, I can go there, be successful, but I need this from you guys. I don't know what the conversations are at Man U with their managers, but you know, maybe they do need someone. Which and I go back to Mourinho. He was he's probably the guy to he would probably be the guy they need now to go and it's like, hey, like I got you second before. I can come in and fix it, but I need this from you guys because he's been there before where he's taken these teams. But you need a manager that's probably like on par with how big the club is to be able to like go into the boardroom and be like, we have to do this if we want to be successful. That's why when they were trying to find that manager to come in after Solskjaer, like the names of Zidane were tossed around, Conte, obviously. I was saying Diego Simeone coming from Atletico would be a pretty uh, cool signing, I think. But... Yeah, missing out on Conte is huge because his philosophy is defense, and I think we're not, I think United's <laughs> like we goals did, against yeah. output last year was like the worst they've ever had. Yeah, like they were getting blown out on games. There were some mink games where there is like a four three score line they would lose, and it's like even like now like four goals against did they yeah they scored against Brighton though I think well right? own goal oh yeah the own goal yeah so right now they're a minus five, uh, one goal for the own goal and six against it's the worst record in the Premier League. From Manchester United, I'm not talking about, I would say Stoke. We're not talking about Stoke. We're not talking about Wolves or, you know, Crystal Palace. This is Man U. And, yeah. like, just, I know it's it's the second game of the season. We did the exact same thing. Like, Salto touched about. Did the exact same thing last year with Arsenal. And they, you know, shot us in the face, you know, at the, <laughs> at the Christmas break yeah. there. But still, I just, I don't see United making that big turnaround. Of course, they're not going to get relegated. You put think. that on our, our YouTube shorts uh, feed last week. It was kind of funny. But uh, yeah, they're not going to get relegated, I don't think. Yeah, someone's like, come on. Come on. They're not like, going to get relegated. And that was, before yeah. the, that was before the Brentford match. So fuck that guy. I see like <laughs> five, six, seven again within yeah. those three spots. Yeah, they'll probably finish top 10, but they're just not good. They're not good. I, I can't confidently say They're good they're enough to yeah. bring it back to. Yeah, but they're just. But I can confidently say they're just not a good team. Like they don't gel. No. Like Tottenham is a good team. Yeah, Arsenal is a good team. They're City, Chelsea. Oh, Chelsea, I don't know. But <laughs> Chelsea, like Liverpool. Their I wingers mean, are amazing. <laughs> well, they got a whole shit ton of yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, joking, Chelsea God. has okay. Like, funny you say that. Surplus of wingers. Holistic to United. I don't know what he does. Does that make sense? I don't know what he would do. Yeah, no. like it would just be the same. It would be just another Sancho transfer. It's like, oh, we got like a young you know, maybe up and coming winger. He's just going to go in and I feel like it would be the same thing. He's not someone that I think can just take Manchester United and bring them out of this hole. Like if that's your plan, which I'm sure it's not like the plan, but he's not going to do it. I think for the team, right? Yeah. Um, He'd probably even find it hard to get a place in the side too. That's kind of what I was going to like like Rashford and Sancho. Who do you? And Ronaldo too. Like wherever. Because Rashford doesn't really play as a nine. Right. He's just on the wing. So where's, Pulisic going to play? Do you play like a false nine if Ronaldo leaves? Like, do you just kind of move Sancho, Rashford, and Pulisic and just kind of rotate them? You could. All they game. Have, they have Alanga too. Yeah. He's a young, uh, young player for them. They like, obviously, they, he gets a lot of time off the bench, but he's a guy that I think they want him for the future. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough, it's a, it's a tough, slot, tough road to take for United, I think. And Phil just said it too. Like, if Ronaldo stays or leaves, that's another possibility for the season, right? He's clearly, you know, he's uh, capable. Distressed though with like, the situation and doesn't like the direction that the team's going in. I think Ten Hag even said like last year 
Like, I don't know if I'm going to have Ronaldo in the team next year. Like, his whole mentality is young players, pacey players, which Ronaldo still has pace, but he doesn't have Ronaldo 25-year-old pace. You know, right. he's 37 years old. Yeah. Like, but. he just doesn't fit into whatever system 10 Hank wants to build. And even Ragnick, too. When Ragnick came in, he said he might find it hard to find a place in the side. So... Which, which I don't mean, know about that. Yeah. yeah, but why would you want to like put down? But that's Ragnitz. Like, that's his style. It's is he putting his foot down, saying, youth, like, I'm the manager like, now. Like, he was all about the youth, and like when he was supposed to be the revolution of Milan, and they were going to fire their coach. Thank God they didn't. And then it was when Ibra was coming back. He's like, I would never take him, and Ibra was basically the start of Milan's yeah. Yeah. rise. So like you. You do need that bit of experience, like Ronaldo yeah. being thirty-seven or however old he is. Like he's still valuable to those kids on that team. Like you mm-hmm. go in every day, you see the way he works. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Like yeah. the all-or-nothing Juve, you just mm-hmm. yeah. you just see in every documentary and video. Like Ronaldo is just that's the player young players need to watch. Yeah, yeah, but still, yeah, yeah still. But <sighs> I mean, if you're if you're Ten Hag, you're I don't know what, even with Ragnarok, like if you have Ronaldo and you have not been able to sign any of these players that are key linchpins, like you're doing everything you can to try and hold on to Ronaldo because without his goals last year, who knows where Manu would have been. Um, so, you know, I don't think until a manager comes in and says like, I need these players to be successful and then we see that develop and then then from there decide like, hey, I don't need Ronaldo, then that would make sense. But w- with the team you have now when it's just the exact same as last year, um, barring Martinez and Erickson, like you probably should try and keep Ronaldo. To be totally honest, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's gonna be his decision. I think I don't know what his contract is like for this year. It might just be a one-year deal. But I think he has the pull and he has like the agent behind him that can say like I'm out of here if I if I don't. Yeah. But he needs to take a pay cut though. Well, that's kind of like the rumors, I, yeah. right? It's like he's being offered to all these teams at his air quotation salary, which is crazy for any team so out of the Prem. Mm-hmm. So if he does take a pay cut, why wouldn't you take him as yeah. any other yeah. team? It's just, is still, he going to? And that could just be media speculation anyways. Yeah. Right. But he still wants to play. He still wants to perform. And he still has the capabilities of doing it. But I don't know if he can do it on this team. Because he's not yeah. he's not playing left wing anymore, let's be fair. No. He's playing, playing where like he needs nine. to get service from his team. Whereas on the wing at Real Madrid in his previous years at United, he can create something from nothing. He can pick up the ball in his own eighteen and dribble the whole a whole pitch and score. He's not doing that now at thirty seven years old as like your number nine like striker. So whatever whatever delivery, whatever like service he gets, it has to be quality. And I think Rashford might not be there at that level yet. Sancho, I still can't put my finger on like what he can do like really, really well. Erickson going there, I love that signing. I think I think that's a pretty good one from United. Mm-hmm. If he can like kind of go back to what he did at Tottenham, even at Inter too, um, like that'd be huge for them. But it's just it's gotta finish. You have to get to that final third and put the ball away. Ronaldo, you want him to be that guy still, but I don't know. Again, I keep saying his his age, thirty seven years old. Like I don't know if he can carry a team on his back like he used to do in the Real Madrid days and even United prior. Right. Yeah, I guess, you know, we could we could talk a lot about menu and all the issues, but at the end of the day, they got to figure it out, you know, get some results, and I don't see it happening uh, probably in the next few seasons until they just accept the fact that they got to be patient, and that's just the mentality of ownership and the manager that comes in and the players, and I think 
we're going to see the same issue going forward. I think the fans would appreciate that if they yeah. came out and they said, Some "We need, we need three years. Be patient with us. Yeah, we're shifting to a more sustainable project, youth project." As a fan, that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. I think a lot of fans would accept that, that now we have this direction. We're bringing in this director, this director, this director, this CEO, and this is how we're going to go. Yeah, I think like they would appreciate plan. that more than <laughs> what's going on now. Yeah. But as the owners, like, I obviously the Glazers aren't well-liked. Mm-hmm. So does it take a, a new owner? There's rumors about someone buying shares. I don't know, but I think the fans would actually appreciate that more than what's going on right now. And the modern United fans aren't, this is just me speculating, but I don't think they're like a youthful side. Like, I don't think there's new young United fans. I think there Mm -hmm. might be some like legacy fans of like parents and all that stuff. But I think the younger kids that are watching now, like 10, 12 years old, they're watching Liverpool. They're watching Man City of all teams. Like they want to watch the guys that are going to be well and like play well. United hasn't won a trophy in like almost a decade. Like a major trophy. Europa League. Major trophy. <laughs> Mourinho would disagree <laughs> yeah. with your okay, statement. Okay. 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 He would disagree with that. They haven't won a major trophy in he almost would a decade. With that. Since the Sir Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson days. Did Moyes win? No. Is there an FA Cup in there? No. I mean, I, I think, think I was in what it used to be. I think be, the but... last one, they won the Premier League in like 2011. Yeah. So it's been a long time <laughs> since the big one. Let's just say that. Um, Champions League, they've been non-existent. FA Cup, yeah, they might have been around a little bit, but... They yeah. haven't, you know, achieved like a big pinnacle status in a long time. So I don't think new young fans are being attracted to watch Man U. So it's an older fan base who I think will respect the fact if owners came out and said we have to do a rebuild, they would be a more understanding. Mm-hmm. If you're like a 13-year-old kid and you're watching your team play and then they just fall apart and go to shit. <laughs> and they said, okay, I know you're young and you're used to us winning all the time. Take a break for a little bit. We're going to be kind of shit for a little while. You'd be pissed. You'd be like, okay, I'm flying. I'm flying out of here. I'm going to watch somewhere else. But if you've been a United fan and grown and like lived yeah. and died by these guys and the ownership comes out and says that and shows some honesty, it might be actually good. Like you said, like, I think they, they're big adults. They, you can understand. They can take it. And I think that would actually help the team more than hurt them. Yeah, you see it yeah. in different sports too. North America teams have done it. Other teams in Europe have done it. It's When they're honest, I think the fans appreciate that. Not yeah. that the team owes anyone anything no, in the grand scheme really, of things yeah. but to keep the relations with the fans yeah like the rangers did it in hockey they put a letter out there's never seen that before they literally put a letter really out should. saying we're tanking and we're rebuilding and two years later they're cup final cup close final? no they're Western, in eastern final? semis i think eastern final yeah so yeah yeah it takes two years of yeah a little bit of suffering but Fans want if that. Works, if what, if you, what if you say it's going to take two years, but it's like you're the Buffalo Sabres? Well, then, then you start something then, new. But at least know. there's that on it. That's the, the first part of the project is yeah. that change. People want to see change, not Isn't that like Adrian from, from Big Daddy when they say like <laughs> like Sid's two-year plan? Is it then they find out who Sid is? Die. It's like a 10-year plan? <laughs> What's his plan? Don't <laughs> die. Don't die? Yeah. No. <laughs> and he's at the two Hooters at the end. Yeah, he's flipping burgers. Hey, Sid. Yeah. Um, okay, so going to a, a fan base who, like a newer, like we said, kind of newer fan base, uh, really excited to watch them play. Tottenham versus Chelsea, Conte versus Tuchel. I mean, this game kind of had everything. Oh, yeah. Um, 
No, I think it was missing. It was a red card, I think. Well, we well, got, got, got red card. Not by any player either. Yeah, by the managers. Um, exciting, exciting match. Chelsea kind of threw it away at the end. Unfortunate to see from from my point of view. Um, but still, it's an exciting match. And I'd like to see the London rivalries back in the sport. I mean, it's been yeah. time and time again where it used to be Chelsea-Arsenal, the big rivalry. Ch- uh, Tottenham and, and Arsenal, the North London Derby is like a huge one, obviously, on the calendar for EPL. But to get Chelsea and Tottenham back in the mix again, which has been more of like a heavily dominated Chelsea um, derby the last like few seasons, to get a competitive match like this with the fireworks popping off at the end, Tuchel running on the sideline, handshakes going left and right, elbows getting <laughs> handshakes. thrown. Um, it was exciting to watch. And yeah. even though Chelsea came away with the draw uh, in a late 96th minute uh, tying goal by Harry Kane, it still was like a really exciting game for me. I was really passionate behind it. I was sweating. And that's kind of all you want to watch when you're an EPL fan. Yeah. Your team win, mm-hmm. lose, draw. If you're, if you're excited, if it's entertaining, it's good to watch. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. And like you said, it definitely had everything in it. Um, so high level for anyone that didn't watch the game. Uh, we had some some VAR controversies uh, in terms of some tackles that led to some goals. And then at the end, uh, I mean, Tuchel and uh, Conte were just going at it. Um, because after Chelsea scored, uh, Conte had <laughs> the audacity to like pretty stand up the two. He like he goes right into the Chelsea bench and just like yells at them. Yeah, just basically like, celebrates in their face, which you know you don't really do as a. But you know it fires it fires up the 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 fans and the, yeah. the players. But you know sportsmanship, I think, still takes precedent, and that really pissed Tuchel off. And there was a little skirmish there on the bench. At the end of the game, you know they're about to go shake hands. I. From my perspective, I do think it was probably mostly Conte's fault. Not to like lay blame, but they went to go shake hands. Conte didn't even look at Tuchel in the face when they shook hands, and then that's why Tuchel didn't let go of his hands. That like you know, if we're gonna shake hands, look at me in the face, and, be a man about it, and man. respect. Yeah, don't just you know walk away. So that that started it. Bench is clear. They both get red cards, um, <laughs> and yeah, walk away with two two, one red card each. Um, yeah, now. Do you want to talk about the uh, the tackle? Uh, hang on, Phil's showing something yeah, here. What's so this? The internet is the best thing <laughs> ever. Yeah, so is that Sean Deitch? I don't know who the manager is. Anyways, and it's like the big thing was that Conte didn't look him in the eye. Um, and then this one is they're shaking hands and he's not even looking him in the face. It's just, yeah. that's the great thing about Twitter is that you can find, they will find anything oh, yeah. that they need to find. Um, anyways, back to it. Just had to show that. Yeah. Incriminating out of evidence. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, the goal where um, Havertz was running down the pitch. Yeah. Uh, tackle came in from behind. Um, contact on Havertz, probably the slightest touch on a ball that you'll ever see. Um, Anthony Taylor referee. Yeah, yeah. and there's like been the, a lot of they're asking for his head. Basically, they're getting petitions signed to have him never referee yeah. the game again. And that's that's been the whole thing where there's been a lot of situations where he's really screwed over Chelsea. Um, it's not now, just Chelsea fans being sorry, being butt hurt. It's it's historical fact. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's <it's, laughs> historical evidence of uh, there, Anthony. There's been a lot of situations. So I, I'm always a big proponent of, you know, even if you get contact on the ball, you can still foul someone if you get contact on the ball. I think in this case, it probably was a foul because there was contact on Havertz that made him go down. And then he, there was contact on the ball after, um, after that, you know, Tottenham 
got possession and then uh, came off a corner, I believe, uh, from that play. Um, so you couldn't really no. say. No, no, no. That was, which, that was like, the, Hoi- no, that the Hoiberg was, goal. The Hoiberg was, goal. Yeah. This is from Havertz. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm, we, I, I'd have to watch it back. But I'm sure Chelsea had an opportunity to clear the ball. But um, so VAR kind of was independent of that situation based on what their scope is in a game. But still, I mean, that's a that's a huge, huge miss, and it's what impacts the game. And I think that's what ups, upsets Chelsea fans, that these decisions get made, you drop points, you know, really valuable points, and then yeah. you're, it feels like you have to claw your way to win titles because decisions aren't going your way. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, I'll call it a missed call because that's what I think it actually was on the pitch. I think yeah. with Havers going at that pace that he was at, running down that side of the field, like he's down the right-hand side, Mm-hmm. A lot of pace, a lot behind, a lot of speed. Tackle was from behind. Yeah, and, directly behind. <laughs> and yes, I, when they do the super slow mo replay, you do see that. I think it was Romeo, Romero. Is that his name? It was uh, their new CDM. I forget. Uh, Such the B. I should know it. Um, Bentacore. No, it wasn't. No, really? Wasn't. No, no, no. It was. Uh, no. That was, oh yeah, we're we're gonna get to the hair pull. <laughs> it was. It was Romero. Yeah, it was Romero. It was number seventeen. Um. When he like he did get a toe on it, yeah, granted, but going at the pace that he was at, for Anthony Taylor to make that call, where the only way you can see him make contact with the ball is if you slow it down to like yeah fifty five thousand frames per second, um, to see like the actual touch, that's completely bullshit. Like a tackle yeah. from behind, player goes down. Obviously, there was contact made on Havertz. Like that's clear. Yeah, yeah. That, like that, the contact made on Havertz is more clear than contact on the ball in real time from that angle Anthony Taylor's looking at. So for that to be played on, that's when Tuchel got first fired up right in Conte's face. He got right into the fourth official's face there as well on the sideline. 44 seconds go past. That's the number of seconds that went past. <laughs> Jorginho did have a chance to clear yeah. He fucked up pretty hard. Yeah. But Hoiberg, he plays on, obviously scores the goal, ties it up, and then that's kind of what started off the first yeah. interaction between Conte and Tuchel. Yep. But... Yeah, I mean, I just feel like there's so many things that go against Chelsea, and it's not me just being like the Chelsea guy. It's fact. It's true. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, at well, home too. Well, it's one of the weird things because that's the because I'll get to the I'll get to the other one in a sec. But like with this one, it's tough because yes, it's a foul, but yes, uh, Chelsea had a chance to clear it. So technically, like you're not like if they if he slid it and then Tottenham goes and scores like right away, no Chelsea possession, like. For a hundred percent, it has to be called back, um, and that's the whole thing with VAR. How far back do you go? <laughs> you know? Sidebar. Yeah. Bar official that game. Mike Dean. Mike fucking Dean. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? This guy's retired. He should be retired. Yeah. He said he's gonna be retired. Why the yeah. fuck's he there? So. Like the two worst guys in Chelsea history, Anthony Taylor and Mike Dean, get the same game for fucking London Derby. What? Are you kidding me right now? So there's that one. The one that I'm still rattled about is the hair pull. Yeah. I mean, I, like for clarity, I know that's not the corner that they scored on, but if you're VAR and you're looking at that, that is like uh, violent conduct. They said it's non-violent conduct. They're both bald though. Who that, both this is true. Both oh, have no hair. Well, because. 
Because I've seen point, there's, but, oh, there I've could seen, be some bias here. Well, because yeah. I know Ronaldo. Like I, there was the one clip where like he went up to someone and they were sitting on the ground. And he went and like he didn't even pull his hair that hard. He just like grabbed his hair and like yanked at it a bit, and he's like straight red. So like I'm pretty sure a hair pull is violent conduct. Hundred yeah. percent. Now I know a ref came and says, "Oh, we're, they're not. It's not violent conduct because they were both pulling on each other." I'm like, "Yeah, well, two players can go for a ball, and if you kick someone in the face, you're <laughs> you're just still you know doing yeah. violent conduct." I'm just super confused how they look at that. Like, because it's clear as day that you know Romero yanks Cucurella to the ground with it's his a, hair. It's a bitch move. It's yeah. pretty. It's pretty bad, and it's a hundred percent a red card. So I don't see how you see that and be like, okay, yeah, it's a red card and a free kick to Chelsea. Like, for I'm as, still rattled about that one. For as soft as things get called, sometimes like if, if Var comes back and you see that guy. Not even like throws an elbow to somebody, but like you get your arms up and you get an elbow on like someone's chin and they go down like pretty softly. Yeah, they're gonna call that as a red card on by, by VAR. If someone does a headbutt, like Darwin Nunez in Liverpool game, headbutt somebody, they go back red card. It's on camera. His <laughs> his hand like, a full on <laughs> grasp and yank like I've never seen before. He's basically trying to do like a pull up on yeah. Kukureya's hair. That's how hard he yanks it. He yanks it all the way down. He flies back like. Yeah, Kukurei was like left helpless. Yeah, he, like you can, he could not support himself. He just got thrown to the ground, and they're just like, oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah, like yeah, and Var can't issue yellow cards either, which is like bullshit too. And, like if you can't issue, like if you're reviewing it anyways, they're basically saying that's like no foul. Well, yeah, and that's sorry, you done with well, that? I want well, go on forever. Yeah, <laughs> done. <laughs> okay, I'm just <laughs> done. Done. I just want to make a point on that because you know I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter where people were saying like, oh, this is a clear vowel like Var. Which, you know, in in kind of a defense of the scope of VAR, you know, they they can look at something and they're not in the realm to say, yeah, that's a foul, so it should go to Chelsea. Um, so in this case, you know, they played on and then uh, Tottenham eventually scored. Now, if, you know, here, like, we're just watching a super a, a clip here and Cucurella is just losing it, understandably so. Um for you know you can't really say that var should have called it foul because they're not allowed to which i think is kind of another issue um in the sense because you know i think people in the var room were looking at that obviously seeing it was a foul but not feeling like it was a red card um which i think impacted you know all the events that ensued and tottenham ended up scoring so i obviously think it was a red card um you know some people might make the argument well like oh if you pull a jersey like that and there's jersey pulls then it won't go down but i think any contact on a player's body on the head if you make some violent contact towards anyone's head that's violent conduct and it should be a red card that's a good point you know you know yeah. like kalini I, people would probably say you know in the in the world or the euro cup kalini yanked down soccer by his jersey but a jersey pull and pulling someone's hair are two very that was different. Not things. a red card. That was just the best tactical foul. Yeah, last, tactical yeah. foul. Last pulling someone's. I shirt. mean, if he, but if he grabbed, was he last offender though? Uh, he was on the sideline. No, like, I don't think it wouldn't have been a red card for that. But like, if he, because that thing is like, if you pull someone's hair, if he pulled his hair and that, like, that would have been like red card. Red, red card, card for sure. And like, if you if someone has it, like, okay, well, if you grab someone's neck and do that probably a red card does, and like yank yeah. him down does the fact that it wasn't against the run of play matter what do you like mean the one on uh, kukurea it was a dead ball foul like it was like it wasn't during the run of play i think it was worse it's worse that it wasn't against a run of play because the fact that they're the ball's coming in and like they're not even going to the ball imagine if we're just off the ball and i just yank it to the ground by your hair mm. we're not even playing the game at that point i'm just yanking yeah. you down 
which I think makes it worse that uh uh should make it a red card. So they didn't they didn't score um on that corner and then they they but they they scored off the ensuing, the ensuing corner ensuing. yeah which I think was the main issue. That's yeah, because if that because if that foul if that call would have been called yeah then Chelsea would have the ball possession with like one minute left to go in the match or two minutes left to go in the match they would kill time and then it would be done. But wasn't called uh Chelsea cleared the ball for another corner. Kane comes and scores. And that's all she wrote for Chelsea fans. I mean, it was a frustrating match to watch. Again, it was exciting, like I said, from the from the beginning. But Chelsea did have chances to put it away too, and they just didn't finish. But mm-hmm. um, credit to credit to Tottenham for fighting hard. I mean, Stamford Bridge isn't what it used to be by far. It used to be like a whole fortress where like Chelsea would go undefeated at home for consecutive seasons. Um, it's a little more penetrable now under under Tuchel and like Chelsea's like aging back line with Thiago Silva and. Um, Aspilicueta didn't actually play in this match, but usually he's in there. Um, they're trying to play the youth movement now with like Reese James, Loftus Cheek, Koulibaly, big signing. I told you. I, I, that's the first thing what I said. did I tell you the I second that rumor came up? I said, who's I'm like, I knew who he was, but I was like, what is he? And it feels like best best defender in Italy, probably Let's top go. five Let's in, see what I said. in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah look, look exactly. back at okay. the text history. Into the message. This good. <laughs> I said, already the best center back in the Prem, top three worldwide. There you go. Which, I mean, mm. he's done well. He, he, scored, he scored a beauty this Better player. than Van Dyke? 100%. Mm. I don't even know what Van Dyke does. Van Dyke. That one season amazing. that he had, I'll give you yeah. that. They were on unstoppable. His first season, too. But like, just crazy. Koulibaly, obviously, the City and marketing, that's a whole different story. <laughs> you can do 10 podcasts on that. That's why I think Styria is not Yeah, they, but if you actually is. watch him and how good he was for Senegal. Amazing. The guy does everything you want. So Chelsea And he scored okay. his match. He scored a beauty. Goal. Yeah. Yeah. Nice oh, goal. he'll make some runs. If he wins the ball and he's got his momentum, he's actually gonna go the whole Did you see his goal? No. You're gonna, you're really? gonna, you're gonna lose you your didn't shit. See the goal. Part of my ignorance on this, but yeah. okay. it was a busy busy weekend. Oh, golf. Yeah, look at this again, Phil's live reaction. Just like a one time surprise. Not surprised <laughs> at all. <laughs> Completely just, unmarked again. I think this is Romero. Yeah. What a howler of a match for Romero. Yeah. But um Another that was off the shin back. though for sure. Oh yeah, bad connection. I mean, get you still. gets his knee over it. Yeah. I mean, so it's tough. Like yeah. you got it's all form, right? With those, even if you hit off your foot or your shin, like it's gonna go in. Uh, um, yeah, I mean again, it's a it's a frustrating, you know, end of the game. Um Emotions were high for both sides. Conte got the better of Tuchel there uh, at the end of it, but both going to miss uh, both going to miss next week's matches. Chelsea has um, where are we? where's your face? Yeah, yeah. Chelsea Wolves. has Leeds, and Tottenham has Wolves. Wolves on the early match on Saturday. So. I mean, two games that I think if the coaches said you're going to miss these ones, they'll probably say, okay, whew, thank God. <laughs> They're not the big, big ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Tottenham might be in a little bit tougher in this match against Wolves than Chelsea with Leeds, but I think Chelsea and Leeds have a big rivalry like dating back like decades. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I just know that Chelsea and Leeds have like some history together. Um, I'm ignorant to that, but I'm a new wave Chelsea fan. Last 20 years, not last yeah. 40 years. Um, one side that Again, I think 
we've all have we all watched the All for Nothing, All or Nothing uh, documentary? Uh, I've not started the Arsenal one. Okay, nope. I binged I the hell out of it yesterday. Arteta is the star of the show. He's he is a manager. Yeah, he is a manager, and we we harped on them last season at the beginning of the podcast. I think the first four episodes that we had, it was like the Arsenal bash, Arsenal bash fest. And well deserved. I mean, they played like shit the first month of the season. Didn't score for the first month of the season. But they gave him time. But they gave him time to, <laughs> yeah. you know, develop. And it's good to see, um, Kronky in there, like the the son, or is that what he is? The son, or yeah, Kronky or something. Yeah, he's the son. Kronky's son. Um, he's like kind of like the director. Yeah, like the, the one that's learning like the CEO yeah, or whatever. The whatever his of, position yeah. is. Um, he's actually based in London, which is nice. I believe like he's always there at matches. He has a good rapport with. The CEO and like the VP of operations and everything with Arsenal and him and Arteta seem to get along pretty well. And I think as Arteta said at one point during the, the documentary documentary there that he said that it's just good to have ownership in your back pocket. And the Arsenal fans will tell you for years that they want Kroenke out and the kind of the same thing with the Glazers with Man United. But in-house, if you're the manager and you have all this shit coming at you from the media saying Arteta out, Kroenke out, they need to fix all this and that. But ownership still sticks with you, and if you still have that in your back pocket, that's got to be a big boost for him. Clearly, because mm-hmm. he's a player's manager. Like everyone loves to play for Arteta. Tactically, he knows what he's doing. Maybe minus and they say that in the show. They're like, the issue is with Arteta will never be tactics. No, and he's Pep, put, he's Pep's guy too. Like he's yeah, learned from Pep. Everything played else under Arsene yeah. Banger for years and years. Like he's he's a well coached and well um, like developed manager. And I get that goes back to his playing days. I think playing those Arsenal teams with Van Persie, with um, sorry, with Henri and the, um, Vieira and like those guys, like you're gonna learn so so much just from your own players and yeah. your fellow teammates. Not to mention, like I said, Banger was his manager for all those years, so he's been able to pick up a lot from those guys. Plus, he was Pep's guy at Man City when he first signed there, so he's learned from the best, and he's putting his knowledge now to his Arsenal team, a young youthful team. They were the youngest team in the Premier League last season, and that was kind of what we were saying last year was Arsenal's downfall that they yeah. were so young and so inexperienced and they did have so many gaps in their team. But what do they do? They bring in Gabriel Jesus, shows up the striking core. Mm-hmm. I mean, amazing first showing in his first week. This one too as well, picking up two goals. He could have had a hat trick, could have had four. Yeah. And Zinchenko too, another guy yeah. from Pep's um, acknowledge and from Pep's like just way of playing. It's rain of the Arsenal side, plays really well for them. Consistent player, gonna be a smart player, gonna get good playing time. And Arsenal, you know, four two victories over Leicester, who have had a down season last year, but then coming back this year, you know, a healthy Madison, a healthy Vardy. Um we'll have some questions in goal with the new goalkeeper with Schmeichel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, for the most part they're pretty much a similar team to what they had last year, so expect them to be around the top ten, I think. But I mean, I'm super impressed from Arsenal, and yeah, yeah. recency bias of watching the show. For That's last what makes season, you. I'm like, oh my god, this team's amazing. It's this in your head so now. Good. It's like, yeah. wow, these guys. This is my team. This is my top four. This is my top, this four. Is my top four team. Yeah. But even prior to watching that, like from the first week, of the first game of the week, or sorry, first game of the season against Crystal Palace, it's just a two-nil victory. But it was one of the most dominating two-nil victories I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of my expectation from Arsenal going into the season without watching the documentary of last year, but then now I'm watching that, and then I watched the game against Leicester, I'm like, oh, boys. And we're going to see. Yeah. We might be in trouble here with you know Arsenal being a competitive team. Yeah. What are we going to do? How they react to like the top four failure. Like Those episodes come out 
tonight. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So how like the whole collapse goes, but obviously they've rebounded yeah, yeah, way perfectly. Better. And like you can tell the type of manager he is, how he gets the group to think and to feel. Like it's not all about tactics. And he's doing his drawings and yeah, like it just the speeches drawings. that he has, it's like that's a manager, like keeping yeah. the group together. Cause that's half the battle is yeah. to have a group and to have that family vibe. Right. Right. And collapsing at the end, like they did could yeah. derail yeah. quite a few teams, but obviously they've done or in the short yeah, two weeks that they've had. Looks like they're well on their way to, to get that top four spot. Lots yeah. of time, obviously to play anything can happen, but I like them. Yeah, I'm totally different side of them that I that I didn't know. Yeah, and I think that's the 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 fact that they you know they had just such a terrible start last season, and then went all the way up, um, didn't make top four, and now they're responding back. I think that just shows a lot of character on their end um, to be able to bounce back like that. So um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what they do this year. And you know, I made a joke to Andrew about. You know, Man City, Arsenal, top two. Might not be a joke anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might be legit. And we've seen before in other sports where you learn from your mistakes, you learn more from defeats than you do from winning. And Arsenal being that close to getting top four last year, coming off that poor start to the season, they might just learn from that for this year and say, okay, we're going to take strides now. We know what failure feels like. We know that we were this close to making our goal last year of top four. And so they're going to come back even hungrier this year. I totally think that's kind of what they're pushing for, and that's what their um, their motivation might be. But I mean, if they can surprise a lot of people and they can, you know, you know, beat up on some teams like that, that'd be great for them. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't. Again, it's only the second week in this season, but they haven't played anybody yet. Granted, like Crystal Palace, yes, we know who they are. They do play well against like the top um, top flight clubs, but a game against Crystal Palace and a game against Leicester that doesn't really show exactly like what your team's going to be like. They have Bournemouth this weekend coming. But those up. are the teams you have to beat. The teams you right? have the to beat. The top four teams yes. in every league need to win those games. Right, you got to win the games. You got to the win rivalries. Games. Those wash out in the end, usually. Okay, mm-hmm. you draw here. You win. Like the teams against the top six, yeah, they do help if you can knock off four of the six. But when you're dropping points, yeah, to the lower half, that's. No. What'll get you when you're going for a title or you're going for top four and there's three or four points separating you. Yeah, for sure. In the end. So the fact that they're putting on clinics mm-hmm. in these first two games, that's that's a hopeful sight. Yeah. yeah. Their toughest bout will be Man U on September fourth. That I'd be like their toughest mm-hmm. game, I think. Like you know, big big names aside. Like big, they're gonna win. We'll see. Like, we'll, we'll At see. Old Trafford. United. I mean they're gonna have, United they shot the world. Manu's gonna have a walkout on the twenty second. By September fourth, <laughs> it might be a change of ownership and the club might be on a downward spiral to who knows where. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't I don't wanna say don't jump the gun with Man U, but it's like you it would be good to get ahead of it sooner than later. Yeah. Like if they're mm-hmm. gonna make some big changes, like don't in wait. June. Well, they should not. They like in June, this is not. They should have done it yeah. before the season August started. August and September. But I mean, if you are going to make big changes by selling the club, let's say, do that it. Won't I know, but do it now. Like, don't wait. I think the media is just loving of all of this. So the stories mm-hmm. that are coming out, however crazy they are, it's just well, not on a field. I mean, when you say there's like, certain oh. teams that get that 
yeah that bite in the media yeah. united I mean, is one of them well i mean i know it looks it looks as it is as bad as it looks like oh we're gonna bid for Arnautovic and the whole fan base is like what do you mean like he's why do we need Arnautovic? he's actually he's honestly not, he's, not he's not what they need he's serviceable he's not primarily good we've seen him yeah i think he's turned it around 33 where is he playing now uh, oh he's playing in italy of course he's gonna turn it around I got a bum foot. I can turn it around. Yeah. 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 Um, Just before we wrap it up here, Man U versus Liverpool Monday night. Mm -hmm. Prediction. I'm gonna go with one-one draw. What? (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard Joe make that sound before. Honestly, it's just the fact that always these derbies are just a stalemate, and if there's one team. You know, Phil. Phil just said it. But if there's one team, Man U will always show up against Liverpool of all teams. They will, if they're going to show up against anyone, it's going to be against them. I feel like if they can hold off on getting scored on in the first like 25 minutes, I feel like it's just going to be a stalemate. I'm, if there's an early goal, though, I think it's like flat. In Anfield open. or Old Trafford? Old Trafford. But they're, I don't know if you saw, they're like the menu fans are scheduling like I a heard walk. about that. So, I like, that. I don't, that's not like a great. Like what does statement bash do it against? Yeah, you? it's not like a great chemistry Liverpool? for you to go and get a point off Liverpool. I know they haven't had the best start to the season, but knowing Klopp, the fact that they drop points their next two games, like we have to be, like we have to go in and win this game. Like we've already dropped four points. Are you like, concerned? Yeah, with their forwards, like losing Mane, like with Liverpool. Do you think that. Well, I mean, Nunez is out now, but uh, the other guy that they brought even in, with Nunez there, like if he's not suspended. I, mean, I don't know enough about Nunez to make a fair judgment on him. I know they brought him in at a pretty healthy price tag. But, I mean, Luis Diaz has been a player since Much. he's been there. Since they, I think they signed him in but January. Then beyond Diaz. So last year. Salah. For, uh, Firmino's still there. Jota's still there. I mean, they're going to go back to like probably like Firmino, Diaz, Salah front line, which you know they've played it before. So that might actually play out well, well for them. They're kind of used to it. I mean, I'm going for like a 2-3-0 victory for Liverpool, to be totally honest. Yeah, I'm kind of on that page, too. At least, give me at least two. Maybe United can claw one back somehow, but Liverpool. I got to see yeah. at least a two or Salah three. Hattie. Yeah. Yeah. Salah Hadi. Salah Hadi? He's due. Wow. He's due. He's due. Yeah, I mean. Right. Just if the... De Gea lets in a couple like he did. A couple squeakers? <laughs> a couple squeakers. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Looks like, looks yeah. like Rob Greenback. Or this is the game United wins. Honestly, would Derby. you be surprised if... They win one nothing two one. I wouldn't. Not against Liverpool. I think Liverpool's going to score at least a goal. Like, Liverpool's I, I vulnerable think. right now. When have they been pressured? Well, I guess they've been pressured. Different kind of pressure, obviously, like fighting with City. But like, when have they had a start like this? I know people already said. And knowing City aren't really going to drop that many points. Or... Yeah, I mean, this is good. This will be a tough game either way. But people are already saying if Man, if Man City comes out, we didn't talk Man City this game. Or this week, they beat Bournemouth 4-0. Terrible game. Man City's just, like, crushing it. They're just rolling. Right but now. I'm saying if Man City comes out and beats Newcastle next week and Liverpool doesn't get a positive result against a tough game like United will be, people are already saying that the gap's going to be too big. Because Liverpool, yeah. they're saying Liverpool's, like, the next best contender And Man City. where City going to drop could be, the points. This yeah. could be a seven-point gap. This could be a six-point gap. No, not six-point. This could be a four. Four-point yeah. gap. But, but whatever depending is, on whatever li- they're, happens they're, with Yeah, they're but. just saying, like, because Man City is probably going to beat Newcastle. Let's just say that. Most likely. 
So like this gap could already be so insurmountable that Liverpool can't come back. It's only week three. Yeah. That's yeah. not my that's not what I'm saying. I just what I've been reading. Yeah, it's still gonna be close. City will probably win, but I don't the whole know. thing. <laughs> I just don't see them dropping points to Fulham like Liverpool did. Yeah. Obviously anything can happen. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that happening. They'll drop their points in the big games. Yeah, I just I do think that they're just gonna really take it to like the the lower yeah. I guess the the mid table and lower. Yeah, that's gonna I be think, the Holland show. Yeah, I think they just they're just so overpowering for those teams and there's not enough weaknesses for those lower teams to expose them. I think if they're gonna drop points, it's gonna be against Yeah, and like look, depending teams. on their Champions League schedule too, that's usually when it gets yeah a little dicey yeah. and injuries like those I don't know, is it the February slate or the February. that mid February, winter kind of slate yeah. of the Champions League games when it kind of gets all like match cramped together match, match four, and like whatever those yeah. matchups are, then I can see them probably dropping points mm-hmm. depending on who's healthy and who's not. But right, that's it's a big if with with City and the depth they have. They just yeah, you lose Gabriel Jesus, Howland comes in, Sinchenko leaves. You get that new left back. I don't know his name, but they just got him couple days ago but they really have no holes oh no <laughs> no holes in that lineup just, at all. Just, <laughs> you take off bernardo silva and you put on uh mars yeah. or kdb because they just like oh you can rest but you go on in like the 60th minute yeah. and, and score and contribute yeah so they're just so good um on that note though i'm gonna wrap it up here i want to thank everyone for tuning in this will be on youtube this will be on you know, apple Podcasts, spotify phil thanks for joining Thanks, for Thanks soon help. too. You're a very oh, yeah. good uh, contribution to this to this podcast. I hope so. Um, everyone, please like and subscribe this on YouTube. Uh, leave a comment, leave a reaction, leave a, a rating on Spotify, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. We are the Footy Fans Podcast, and we will get back to you next week after all the week's action. See you, everyone. See you. Ciao.